Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. What if I told you that you can support your blood pressure and healthy CoQ10 levels with two chews a day? The new Super Beats Heart Chews Advanced is now supercharged with CoQ10. That's like getting CoQ10 for free. Our powerful blend of beetroot, grapeseed extract, and CoQ10 supports your cardiovascular health. Visit RadioBeats.com and find out how you can get a free 30-day supply on bundles and save 15% with the promo code DEAL. We do come back in. It is another edition of the SportsMediaWatch.com podcast. Great to be back with you. I am merely the host of the program. You are here for the takes, the insight, the analysis of Paulson, a.k.a. John Lewis, SportsMediaWatch.com, the owner, the operator, the purveyor, the guy that you read on the site. Good to be back with you. NFL playoffs underway. Much to discuss even off of the games themselves, but the games are obviously of the biggest deal, especially when it's the NFL. Good to be back with you, John, and and chop it up for another week here. Hey, always good to be here. And we uh, remind the audience, however you found us, whether it's through John's website, sportsmediawatch.com, whether it's through a a social media link, uh, make sure that you are following or subscribing on all the podcast platforms, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Spreaker, wherever you get podcasts. We would love for you to follow or subscribe to us because we come your way usually early in the week, off the weekend, and you will get it automatically if you are doing so. As I made mention, the NFL playoffs have gotten underway with the super wildcard weekend. I don't know how super it was because there was really only one. Well, I mean, the the uh, Cincinnati Raiders first game was an exciting game. There were a lot of field goals. There were a lot of penalties. So that, that came down to the end, and certainly San Francisco-Dallas had the crazy finish. The other four games, though, including the first-ever Monday night game, John Lewis, were all wipeouts. They were all blowouts, including the game that I was associated with with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers radio broadcast as they blew away the Eagles. Buffalo clobbers New England. Kansas City uh, destroys Pittsburgh, basically, again, in what could be Ben Roethlisberger's final game, probably is. So there wasn't tremendous trauma other than those other two games and the 49er Cowboy game. What's your overall thought on, on seeing all this this weekend? Well, I think that, you know, the NFL was such a good television product all year that the first round of the playoffs was kind of a, you know, a, a letdown. Uh, certainly four out of the six games being complete blowouts, uh, really uh, unwatchable last night. Cardinals Rams uh, and you know I think it's entirely possible that game won't get 20 million viewers which seems pretty low right it would be the least watched NFL playoff game in some time if that was the case but just looking at 
you know, uh, the very preliminary non-time zone adjusted fast nationals, obviously it would be foolish to draw any real conclusions from that kind of a number, but the ABC portion was low enough that I think under 20 million is in play. Again, non-time zone adjusted, two West Coast teams, only one of the two networks doesn't include out of home. So obviously, you know, let's not jump to a conclusion. But, you know, I was a bit surprised to see how low the ABC portion of that figure was. Uh, and, uh, you know, just not a very good game. Uh, plus, the reality is you had to remind yourself all day Monday that there was a playoff game, right? And I don't think I'm alone in that. It was like, oh, wait, right. there's a playoff game tonight. Uh, not only is it a, a Monday in the playoffs when you never have games, it's Martin Luther King Day, right? So Martin Luther King Day is kind of a weird day in sports anyway. Uh, it's an NBA-dominated day, and while the NFL will be taking over MLK Day from here on, it's still an NBA-dominated day, right? You're, it's still a day where you have some sleepy, low-stakes basketball games all day, and then, you know, it's kind of over, right? Uh, and so having to gear up for a big NFL playoff game on what is typically not a particularly high-stakes day in sports I think uh, I don't know that Martin Luther King Day is going to be good for the NFL going forward, uh, at least, you know, compared to maybe even as compared to that 1 p.m. Saturday window that it's replacing. Uh, and that might just be me being influenced by how bad that game was yesterday. Uh, maybe in the future, the NFL will be smart to put better games on in that window. But uh, year one, uh, not not the best debut for that Monday night playoff game. And again, ESPN paid a bunch of money in their renewal to continue to do Monday night football to get that game on Monday night. They wanted it branded there because of the Monday night regular season schedule. And of course, last week they had the college football playoff national title game on a Monday night. So they just kind of continue the built-in audience. And again, we'll see what that audience is. I'm curious. We don't have it at the time that we're talking. Here's a tease for John's website. You'll have more on this on sportsmediawatch.com. What were the official or as close to it official numbers for Dallas, San Francisco had to be had to be a massive number for the fourth quarter of that game and the crazy finish. And we should point out a lot of people were maybe confused here. Troy Aikman even made a belly aching comment during the Fox broadcast of Buccaneers and Eagles that would traditionally have been like a Fox NFC game. They've kind of gone away on the opening weekend from networks paired with AFC or NFC and CBS, John, elaborate on this specifically paid for that time slot, a huge rights fee to buy that time slot on the wild card weekend and have it lead into 60 minutes. Elaborate on that a little more on their strategy. Well, it got lost in the shuffle because it happened right after the COVID shutdowns in March of last year, but CBS and NBC bought rights to the two new playoff games. So the NFL expanded the postseason expanded the wild card round to six games. Those two new games were not covered by the existing media rights deals. So CBS bought one and NBC bought the other. The one that CBS bought 4.30 PM on Sunday, the one that NBC bought 8 PM Sunday. And in fact, that was enumerated in the deal from the very beginning. So even as far back as March of 20, we knew that CBS is going to have that 4.30 window and, and NBC, the 8 p.m. window. And that's the reason that CBS can hear an NFC game because that deal is not tied to a conference. It's not tied to CBS as the AFC and Fox as the NFC. It's just the two extra games, right? So this year, 
that was 49ers Cowboys. The NFL is going to put their best game on in that window. And, you know, Aikman is upset. They'll take it up with, you know, Eric Shanks, right? <laughs> take it up with your boss. So you the know, exact it- exchange at the point where the Buccaneers were beating the Eagles 31-7, because you can go back and see the video, is Joe Buck had done a promo for the upcoming games that later it's the Cowboys and the 49ers on CBS. And then the Sunday night game is the Chiefs and the Steelers. And the Monday night game is the Cardinals and the Rams. When he got done with the promo, he said, you know, we're looking forward to seeing what happens uh, in Dallas with that matchup. You know, we saw the 49ers last week upset the Rams. This is what Joe Buck said for the lead in. And Troy Aikman said, it's a great game. He said, it's a very good game. His exact comment, there are a lot of us that want to be doing that game. In other words, why am I, why are you and I, Joe, not doing that game in Dallas where, where Aikman lives and it's the Cowboys and the 49ers? You just illuminated why, because CBS paid for it. And I would, I would suspect they, they, uh, they did very well for that. And they want this as the lead in for their Sunday night lineup, including 60 minutes to have that lead in. We'll wait for the, uh, for the final numbers uh, on that. I- I'm curious again, the Sunday night game was such a, a, a one-sided game from the second quarter on. I don't know if NBC really got their money's worth to continue the Sunday night football theme if you will their their lineage their heritage of that with a sunday night playoff game i don't know that it did that well for nbc i don't know how big a draw relative to the other windows primetime football really is because realistically every week of the season the 430 window outdraw uh, outdraw sunday night football unless they've got a really good game every year the 430 window averages more viewers than sunday night football Obviously, that's better than Monday night football on Thursday night as well. You know, the NFL is an afternoon sport. It'll do well in any window. Put the NFL on New Year's Eve, you know, uh, one at one o'clock in the morning and it's going to do a big rating. Right. Uh, but ultimately, the afternoon is where the NFL's viewership shines. And look, uh, frankly, I think NBC might have been better off with that Fox window. The most watched wildcard game ever on NBC was 1 p.m. It was the Seahawks-Vikings, the game with the missed kick. It was that 1 p.m. Sunday window. Uh, And uh, now that it's up to six games, you're not going to be able to avoid that primetime slot anymore. And it's not like the primetime slot is bad. It's just that the Super Bowl isn't on at 8 p.m. The NFC Championship isn't on at 8 p.m. These games are all on at the latest 6.30 because the NFL recognizes that the afternoon is where its largest audience uh, exists. You know, even back in the day with the NBA, the NBA, when it was in its heyday in the Jordan era on NBC, and the Shaq and Kobe era, they weren't airing primetime games. The big game was 5.30 p.m. It was dinner time. Dinner time on Sunday, that's where you get the viewership. Uh, I'm not sure why nobody else is thinking that way. And by the way, all three primetime games, it didn't help. CBS, Buffalo, New England, which we'll talk more about in just a second. Sunday night, Kansas City, Pittsburgh, Monday night, ESPN for the Rams and the Cardinals. They're all three wipeout games that, that, that aren't going to, it's not like they had exciting games in the 10 PM Eastern time, or even bleeding into the 11 PM Eastern time hour for that. It was probably a big tune out on all three networks for that. And the NFL can't control that. The teams don't care. The teams want to win by how much ever they can win by. They just they they had a bad weekend for exciting football in all three primetime windows. Did you happen to catch John Lewis as we continue on the sportsmediawatch.com podcast? Ian Eagle, Charles Davis, and Evan Washburn doing the game on CBS in sub-zero temp 
with the wind chill that was minus five at kickoff and even and even dropping. Now, Charles and Ian Eagle were much warmer. I felt, as a fellow sideline guy on the radio, I felt for Evan Washburn being on the sideline uh, as that game went on because it was frigid. But did you catch the jacket? Did you catch the winter wear on Ian Eagle, the noted longtime CBS broadcaster, New York-based broadcaster? Did you happen to catch the silver puffy jacket and the story behind it, John Lewis? Well, I saw that he was wearing a jacket similar to that worn by uh, Kurt Warner earlier this year, but I didn't know uh, it was the not exact same just one. just similar. It was the jacket, as Ian Eagle explained. He he first started, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm paraphrasing. I, I'm trying to be a, a fashion, uh, go with a fashion trendsetter like Kurt Warner and, and wear this jacket because Warner had had it on for the game uh, on Christmas Eve between the Cleveland Browns and the Green Bay Packers had had on this silver puffy uh, winter jacket, a parka, as we like to call it in the South. I don't know what you call it, John, uh, where you are. But then he reveals this is the jacket. Kurt Warner sent me the jacket. Ian Eagle and Kurt Warner have done a bunch of radio work, even though they haven't done TV play-by-play as much together. Kurt Warner sent him his jacket for the Buffalo game. How about that? What do you? What's your reaction to that? Well, I, I probably would have been more uh, affected if uh, George Costanza had sent his jacket to Gore-Tex, uh, you know. But, I mean, you know, I, I'm actually surprised that Kurt Warner's jacket could fit Ian Eagle because True. I suspect that Kurt is a little bit, you know, I imagine taller, you know. So, uh, yeah. Hey, I guess it was a fun moment. Why not? Hey, hey, the even better moment is my man, Charles Davis, uh, who I got a chance to interview prior to the game. He deadpanned as he went into his analysis uh, that, you know, Ian Eagle set it up, set the story up and said, now we get ready for the second half. And Charles said, yes, we do. And Kurt Warner, by the way, you can always hook a brother up. And then he went right on into what he was going to say about the Buffalo Bills. Like, where is my uh, puffy jacket here uh, to help with all that? What a fun moment for that and who knew and the internet went crazy john with that fact that hey this is the jacket uh that he sent him that night too bad there wasn't like product placement like nascar like yeah. sponsorship or whatever i don't know whose jacket it is uh but he True. got that company a lot of uh a lot of stuff well why do i get the feeling that maybe kurt warner's involved with the with the apparel company that maybe had that jacket that but it's a smart, fun story it, it yeah. would have been i don't know if that was planned but it was a neat moment uh, from the wild card weekend. All right, let's transition off of that. By the way, Mike Tirico did the game Saturday, the Cincinnati Vegas game with Drew Brees on NBC. So they were the one a crew or the two crew, whatever you want to call it for NBC. Uh, John, uh, I don't know how much of that you got to see. I got to see some of it. Drew Brees getting hammered every which direction, not by pass rushers, but by critics, fans alike uh, for the analysis or the lack thereof in the, uh, Vegas Cincinnati game that it was eventually won by Cincinnati fair unwarranted. What would you say on the sports media watch.com podcast about breeze? Well, I mean, of course it's fair, you know, um, Drew Brees coming straight out of the, uh, the playing field in the broadcast booth, you know, everybody ripped ESPN for giving Jason Witten that job with no real preparation. So NBC deserves to get criticism for putting breeze in that situation I mean, you know, I mean, look, what, what did Breeze do to earn a playoff assignment, right? Um, you know, I mean, from one, Tony Dungy and Rodney Harrison have done games before. It occurs to me, I have no idea who the broadcast team was last year, because I know Tariko uh, 
was remote because he had uh, tested positive. It was, it was, it was our game. It was the Buccaneers and uh, the Washington football team, bizarre all the way around empty stadium in Washington, DC and Landover, Maryland, no fans. And then it turns out Mike Tirico had been exposed to COVID-19 at that time, had not even tested positive, but because of the protocols wasn't able to be there. Tirico was at his home and Tony Dungy was on site so it was not as if they were both remote. We saw them in the preparation for the game because we were doing the game Buccaneers radio remotely from an empty Raymond James Stadium on TV. And, they, and we had a special feed and a special hookup where we could see them practicing Mike Tirico, uh, John, talking in his house to Tony Dungy because they weren't even there. So that was the crew a year ago to answer your question. So, I mean, it was Dungy. And, you know, Dungy is not the most electrifying analyst, but, you know, certainly neither is Drew Brees. And Dungy at least has the, the experience. Um, you know, look, Mike Mayock is available, right? And right. he was the guy who was doing the, uh, the, he was their number two guy before he left and went to the Raiders. Uh, well, actually, that's not true because he was the number two guy until they decided that Doug Flutie was better. And they actually demoted right. him before he went to the Raiders. But, um, you know, I don't know. Brees... He there's room for improvement, but you know, he, this is just who he is. I mean, this, there's a reason why ESPN never hired Tim Duncan to be its NBA analyst. You know, <laughs> I mean, there, if you don't have that kind of gregarious personality and you're not willing to kind of, and you have to have one of two things, you either have to have a gregarious personality or an in-depth, incredible knowledge. Ideally you'll have both like Madden to a lesser extent, like Romo. Right. But, you know, you can either be Jeff Van Gundy and Mark Jackson, or you can be, you know, uh, Hubie Brown, but you can't be neither. Right. And, and that's really the issue. Did he not offer up enough analysis slash insight? Do you think that's the biggest thing you would stick on this performance from Brees? Well, I think it would be that he was just kind of bland, I think on mm -hmm. the personality side. But then you add in the period of time when the whistle blew. This is the infamous moment from the game, the accidental whistle. And not mentioning that initially, you know, there are announcers who would have been on that immediately, right? He, you know, had to be prodded into it well after the fact. That's not, you know, that's not where he should be. So, uh, I mean, you know, you probably got this, you probably got, you probably would have gotten similar analysis from the Nickelodeon kids. <laughs> I mean, in that <laughs> moment. I did not. I did not see any of that broadcast, but apparently it was very successful with the younger crowd. Again, it's not geared towards any adults. It's geared towards uh, having fun, goofing off, the sliming, the graphics on the screen. It is geared towards the late elementary through middle school age demographic that they were looking for uh, for that. Um, all right. So off of that, I, I mentioned Mike Tarico's name. I know you wrote about this on sportsmediawatch.com uh, that not only in his hosting role for NBC, which will have the Super Bowl uh, uh, for the NFL, he also was part of the hosting role for the upcoming Olympics, the Winter Olympics in Beijing. And I know you want to say a little more about that because it's going to get off to a unique start with him hosting remotely again because of, log of the logistics of the Super Bowl being played. Well, any year, it would be kind of wild to have someone host the Olympics and the Super Bowl in the same year when they're happening at the same time. But with all the travel insanity and all the risks, I don't see any reason at all why they're doing this. Uh, you know, one, I'm pretty sure this is the whole reason Maria Taylor went there, right? For all that insanity last year, all that ridiculous drama, ultimately, 
I think the reason she went to NBC is because, hey, I can go host a Super Bowl. Well, no, apparently, because Mike Tirico is going to get to do that and the Olympics at the same time. Look, they shouldn't even send Mike Tirico to Beijing because it's going to be a total waste of time. They Even in the press release last week, they wouldn't commit to the idea that Tirico would return to Beijing. So their plan is Tirico will start out in Beijing for a week, fly back to Los Angeles, do the Super Bowl, and then question marks, right? I think the intent is him to go back to Beijing, but we know that the uh, you know everything is so strict there. There, here's the reality. I truly believe that NBC shouldn't send a soul to this Olympics because one, the COVID restrictions in China are not. I mean, they make Australia look like Texas, right? You know, okay. so we know that that's going to be really wild. Two. The anti-China sentiment right now in this country is like, it's not 1980 or anything, but it's high. Like this is a level of antipathy toward an Olympic host that we don't typically see, not even with uh, the the Russians back in 14. And the Russians, I think they've shot down a plane like five minutes before that Olympics occurred. So even then there wasn't that level of hostility that we're seeing now. Uh, and beyond anything else, nobody's going to watch this Olympics. And that's an exaggeration, obviously. Some people are going to watch the Olympics the same way that some people watch, you know, Michael Smirkanish, right? Some people will watch anything, but it's not going to be, and by the way, that wasn't mean big. The only reason I mentioned Smirkanish, he was the only cable news host whose name I could remember, (laughs) which is super weird because he's not popular, but he was the only one whose name came to mind. But the simple fact is, this is not going to be an Olympics that gets any kind of tune in. It's going to make last year's Olympics look like the Super Bowl by comparison. So my view is don't send anyone, save money, save stress. Tariko can do it from Stanford, Connecticut, then travel to LA for the Super Bowl. And then he's probably going to have to stay in Stanford, Connecticut or LA or wherever. Anyway, I can't see him being able to do Beijing, then LA, then back to Beijing. So just have him host from the United States the entire time. And, and you bring up a good here. And you bring up a good point too that on the COVID protocols and the guidelines, going back and forth is not as easy as just simply catch a flight, get in there, test negative, and go on. So who knows? And, and again, NBC is almost forcing this on everybody in the timeline in and around the Super Bowl, because again, they are billions of dollars invested into the Olympics and have been for a long time. And I said this to you before when we were doing this podcast uh, back last uh, last year when the when the delayed Summer Olympics by a year took place in Tokyo, NBC has basically kept the Olympics afloat with their rights fee over the course yeah. of easily probably the last three or four in the cycle, the Winter Olympics and the Summer Olympics. They pay by far 70, 80 percent of the entire global rights fee to televise the Olympics. So it's, it's keeping it afloat uh, for them, but you're right. They're going to televise it, and time displacement is a factor on viewership. That's another factor too, John. And, you know, the simple fact is the Winter Olympics is not interesting to a lot of people. The Americans are no longer relevant in the main sport figure skating. You've seen that, you know, I'm sure you remember, I remember as well, figure skating used to be so big 
Mm-hmm. And it wasn't just Nancy and Tanya that were household names. It was Oksana Bayul, who was a household name. Katerina Witt was a household name. Elvis Stoiko, Brian Boitano, Rudy Galindo. You could just go on and on and on. These are all names that if you're not old enough, you couldn't possibly imagine that figure skaters mattered to anybody because the entire U.S. figure skating team could walk into the room I'm in right now and I wouldn't know who any of them were, <laughs> right? But, you know, I mean, back in the 90s, that was big. It wasn't big because Tanya Harding attacked Nancy Kerrigan. That made it bigger, but it was right. already big. I didn't even mention Christy Amaguchi right. or Scott Hamilton. I mean, of course. even Dick Button was a celebrity at that time. Peggy Fleming, Dor- yes. Dorothy Hamill, all the ones all through the, the lineage. All right, quick story because it's the sportsmediawatch.com podcast. Young TJ broadcaster is doing five day a week sports radio in Tampa Bay. Um, my second year on the air doing five days a week in the middle of the day on the all sports station, the Nancy and Tanya stuff goes absolutely bonkers everywhere, all over the country, nonstop media coverage, TV, radio, internet is not even really in existence yet. 1994, February of 94, it's kind of coming into existence. Nothing anywhere close to what it's like now, not even half of what it's like now. Okay, so those were time-displaced Olympics that were in Norway where they're going to have the women's figure skating final. Still remember this. The figure skating final was going to be on a Friday night. Friday afternoon, I'm doing a live radio broadcast from the Tampa Bay Downs horse track because in the winter months in Florida, it's a big horse racing time because, again, it's warmer and they can have horse racing. Radio station had done a deal with the horse track where TJ's there every Friday with the midday show. I was not a big horse racing guy. I didn't know a lot about it, but we're there. We're plugging the horse racing. We're putting the people from the track on. We're also talking uh, other sports, other stuff. This was pre-planned and understood. We were also one of the radio affiliates uh, for the for the U.S. Olympic broadcast nationally. I believe Westwood One had the Olympic broadcast. It may have been another entity. We had been alerted they are going to have live coverage of the figure skating on the radio, John, nationally during the day. And this is going to be a big enough deal because there's no live TV for it. There's no internet. So we're going to have it before CBS, who's the television partner, is going to show it that night. I still remember pausing not just once, but two or three times to go to the live coverage of the figure skating from Norway on the radio network, Westwood One or whatever it was, and we listened to figure skating on the radio. I cannot remember who was doing the radio call. Vern Lundquist was on the call uh, with the analysts on TV for CBS of the figure skating. I can't remember on the radio call. But the whole thing unfolded live on the radio back in 1994. And I still, I took, I took all kinds of ribbing and criticism. Like you stepped aside for your sports radio show for figure skating. And I said, I took the orders. We, we were under the orders. We're running this. We're an affiliate. People cared. And even though a lot of, because then the word got out on what had happened, there's reporting John on ESPN on what had happened, but I think it only heightened everybody wanting to watch on that Friday night on what actually happened. If you remember, Tanya Harding started her routine. She went first, and she had a problem with her skate Mm -hmm. and her skate laces. And then she's crying, and they're describing this on the radio. And I'm listening along with the audience going, this is nuts, because they can't figure out, is she going to start over? Is she going to pick up where she left off? 
And under the rules, she was allowed to start again once she got her skate fixed. So they had this delay for a couple of minutes. She got her skate fixed. She got it relaced. Now she could start the whole routine. All of this playing out on the live radio. So I vividly remember that now some 20, what, eight years ago that that took place. Um, and it just tells you how crazy it is. And as you mentioned, we don't have that really anymore with the stars of this. They do their best. You know what they're pushing is the snowboarding with Sean White. Like every promo for the Olympics on the NBC football coverage was about Sean White making another appearance for Olympic snowboarding, blah, blah, blah. He's pushed more than the other athletes. John, if you have any thought or reaction to follow up. Well, my reaction is look at the ratings of the Winter X Games every year and tell me that that's a good idea, right? I mean, look. You know, it is what it is. There's, there's no salvaging the Winter Olympics. The figure skating was the thing. Maybe a few years ago, the snowboarding mattered a little bit. I mean, I guess Chloe Kim became a bit of a celebrity the last time around. The hockey with the professionals is a big deal, but the professionals are not playing now because of the COVID-19 delays of their schedule. They're not going to go and play in China, so you don't even have the hockey angle with all the right. worldwide hockey players that you would care about. They should trim this thing down to like one weekend and just get out of the way. Because look, let's be real. <laughs> the you Olympics know, on a long weekend from John yeah, Lewis. Exactly. That's the suggestion. Let's do them Friday exactly. through Monday I mean, and get it done. Look, it'll do better than all of the nothing that NBC usually airs. It'll do better than, well, I don't even know what their sitcoms are anymore. Uh, American Auto, I think is one. And The Grand Crew. The Grand Crew might be a Fox show, actually. I'm not sure. All right. I know is it'll do better than what NBC is currently airing. And in this era, the all-time record low viewership that it will surely average will be incredible by the standards of, of linear TV. But all right. know, that's pretty see, much it. And we'll see how all of that goes. Let's get to a fun part that usually concludes our podcast. Here we go. Love it or leave it. Let us begin. Uh, Martin Luther King Day matinee, including uh, the the Memphis Grizzlies and the Chicago Bulls, and then later on the Atlanta Hawks were also on the Martin Luther King schedule. Uh, John Lewis, how did you think those broadcasts, those games went? Memphis has been red hot, obviously. Uh, Chicago recently, too, but a little thought on the NBA real quick? Well, you know, uh, the games, the 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 Bulls Grizzlies game wasn't any good. The Bulls got blown out on national TV a third straight game. That has not stopped the networks because they have added another Bulls game on Friday. So for all the Bulls fans out there, kind of embarrassed by three straight blowouts on national TV, there's an opportunity for a fourth at the hands of Giannis and company on ESPN Friday. Uh, they were originally going to air Raptors Wizards, but now they're going to air Bulls Bucks. Uh, one thing I do find interesting, the Cavaliers are getting on national TV, not imminently, but ESPN has added a Cavaliers game on March the 6th against Toronto. So that's not going to do a good rating, right? You're talking about the Raptors, you know, the Raptors, uh, even with Kawhi, eh, kind of a middling draw, uh, at least it'll be in Cleveland. So there'll be fans in the stands. So you definitely want to be hearing any fanless games, but, uh, no, I mean, look, the Cavaliers are on their way up. They look good. They're the best they've been since 1998, if you don't include all the years LeBron was there. Uh, it's the best non-LeBron Cavs team we've seen in, in recent years, and uh, they're uh, fun to watch. We'll see if they can keep it up um, and uh, see if they get more national love. But those games last night, I'll be curious to see the ratings. They're not going to be great. Doubt either game will end up with a million viewers. The Bucks hawks game was actually pretty good, but the Hawks have been so poor lately. And then the best part of the game was all taking place during the NFL. So probably less than a million for both. 
Like I you will said. say. Yep, go ahead. Uh, the NBA needs to really rethink what they're going to do with MLK Day. If it's still going to be a marquee day for national TV, they have to adjust around the NFL. And right. they can. Uh, what they should probably do is don't be afraid to schedule really good games for that day. Uh, and don't be afraid to put those games maybe even on ABC. I don't think there's any reason why ABC shouldn't have an MLK Day game if it's the kind of day that the NBA wants to stake a claim to. With the NFL involved and ABC now committed to an NFL game on MLK Day every year, maybe the NBA is a lead-in. Maybe you have an NBA game uh, on at 5 o'clock. I mean, the affiliates wouldn't like that, obviously, so probably right. not. But, you know, if you could get an NBA game to lead into Monday countdown, maybe a Lakers-Warriors game. I mean, the NBA used to treat MLK Day like Christmas. They used to put those Cavaliers-Warriors finals rematches on that date. So you put a really good game on ABC at maybe 5, maybe 3.30 if the affiliates are upset as kind of a lead-in for that uh, uh, NFL playoff game. And, you know, see if the NBA can't recover a little bit of its, uh, of its ownership of that date. All right, let's get on to another subject. Love it or leave it. Interesting that apparently along those lines, Bally Sports is going to go forward with a direct-to-consumer or DTC streaming deal uh, for pro basketball, for the NBA. Tell me more. Do you love this idea? Or are you kind of shaking your head at this idea for Bally Sports? What does it all mean? See what you can decipher here. What do you think? Well, it's all necessary, right? Uh, ultimately, if you've cut the cord, you can't watch Bally Sports unless you're going to spend a ridiculous amount of money on DirecTV Stream, at which point, why did you bother cutting the cord in the first place? So the issue for Bally Sports is going to be uh, habits have changed. Cord cutters have gone to two years without having these channels. They've figured out alternative means of getting them that, uh, the, you know, that uh, the executives wouldn't be comfortable with, or they've just decided that they can do without seeing their favorite team play. Uh, and, and my you know, hand is up if I can interrupt you, because again, I was one on the Hulu subscription that lost Valley sports, which means in my case, the two time defending Stanley cup champion, Tampa Bay lightning. I never see their games, the American league defending champion, Tampa Bay Rays for this past season. I never saw their games and it's not just from Hulu. It's the same deal. If you're on dish network, it's the same deal. If you're on uh, Frontier Communications and a couple of other ones that never did a deal with Bally's and the regional cable networks. To your point, I am living what you're talking about. Uh, proceed on because they're out of sight, out of mind on, on my nightly watching. Exactly. And once you've been away from that habit for two years, this industry is built on a house of cards. That house of cards is people's habits. Habits do change, especially over the course of generations, which is something that the industry is going to have to grapple with over the next 20 years, because ultimately there's a whole bunch of kids growing up right now who do not have any habit for watching sports, right? I'm going to be really curious to, get, to see that Nickelodeon number, by the way, for last night. You know, um, this Nickelodeon broadcast, in my view, has always been geared not to actual kids, but to people who last watched Nickelodeon when the celebrities on that channel were Lori Beth Denberg and Danny Tamborelli, right? <laughs> so, you know, the idea that you're going to be bringing in a whole new generation of young viewers, I don't buy it. You know, you can put SpongeBob anywhere you want. The kids aren't watching SpongeBob on Nickelodeon anymore. They're watching SpongeBob on their phones whenever they want on, right. on a streaming service. 
So, you know, this, this all needed to have been done 15 years ago. You know, I actually wrote an article on my site back in 08, and I suggested that the NBA should put a game on Disney Channel every year, you know, to try and attract those younger viewers. It would have made sense back then. But now, you know, there's, there's borderline no point. You know, the horse is out of the barn. Kids are not watching linear TV. And I just don't think that that's going to change, you know, and, and beyond anything else, not only are kids not watching linear TV, find me the five-year-old who is watching any four-hour-long program with commercial right. breaks. Right. They're, they're not doing it. You know, you, you're, you're just as likely to find a five-year-old sit down and watch the entire Sound of Music or the entire Ten Commandments in one sitting. It's just not going to happen. Or, you know, maybe the better example is Dr. Shivago. Find me a five-year-old who's going to sit down and watch all of Dr. Shivago, okay? It's just okay, gonna... but in fairness, I get it. In fairness, they're gearing more towards like the 10-year-old, the 12-year-old that does love to watch the games, but a lot of it talks right over their head with the analysis, with the highbrow stuff, adult stuff. So I, I understand your point, sarcastic as it is, and I like it. But there is an audience of 10, 12, 13-year-olds that will watch this if it's geared a little more towards superhero, slime, silly stuff that they get into. There is some. I'm not saying it's great, but there's some. I, I, I don't know how true that is because okay. to me, well, by the time I was 12 years old, I was the sports junkie. Mm -hmm. So if you're 12 years old and reachable, then you already know all this stuff. You actually right. don't need the hand holding aspect of this. You probably are watching PTI. Well, maybe not PTI, but you're probably watching more sports TV. If you are enough of a junkie to tune into this game to begin with. Right. Sure. So to reach the kind of young person who is not kind of glommed on to sports yet, I don't know that this is going to do it. I just don't know that it's going to do it. I, I question who the audience is that is watching the Nickelodeon broadcast and then going, all right, get me more NFL football. I, I just don't know that that I 15 years ago, maybe, but now Understood. I just have to do that. we got to wrap it up in a moment. We got time for one more though. Love it or leave it. I love a lot of times to be able to, to uh, find out from John, poke, prod, needle, find things out. Let's do it with food. Right now, it's cold in most of the country. I'm in Florida. It's not as cold, but it's still a little cool here. So we have gone to some go-to uh, meals and food that are kind of wintertime that we don't eat any other time. So I now hit John with a couple of these. Chili. Are you a chili guy with the ground beef, the beans? Uh, the tomato sauce, etc. Chili, love it or leave it? Eh, not really. You know, chili is okay every now and again. It's it's okay every now and again, but it's not. You know. All right, we will not be doing an endorsement for chili. Beef stew. Do you like the stew with the vegetables, the carrots, the potatoes, the onions? Beef stew guy, love it or leave it, John Lewis. I mean, again, I don't mind it, but I don't love it. I would never request beef stew. You know, uh, if it was made, I would eat it, but I probably wouldn't even really enjoy it. You know, so. is there a warm food on a cold night? Yes. Mac and cheese, something like that. That is one of your favorites. What do you do? You love one? Something to go um, to? Not per se. Good question. You know, there's I don't know. Uh I mean, generic soup with some dumplings is fine. There we go. You know? All right. I'm not uh, a big yeah. dumpling guy. Mashed potatoes are warm food. 
Yes. Yeah, mashed potatoes. Yeah, I like mashed potatoes. Uh, mm. You know, uh, I, I think uh, really if, if you're talking about warm food, you know, pizza, <laughs> you know. We like that. Yeah, Any, meat anytime. of some sort. You know, that's so good, always, good luck uh, getting the pizza delivery in the slow in the snow and the ice. If you uh, if you're if you're able oh, well, to, we don't do we don't do delivery. We, we just oh. buy the frozen pizza and, you know, I thought because, you were going to well, tell me you might go homemade. You might go a little homemade. There's some good homemade pizza on the pizza stone, too, every now and then. If you feel ambitious, I'm just saying for the audience. Yeah. Well, you know, I don't cook at all. So, you know, I have to ask. <laughs> I have to ask. But uh, the extent you know, I mean, is the milk on the cereal for John Lewis. I understand. Yeah, uh, exactly. Exactly. That. All right. We've got to run here in just a moment. Good stuff on love it or leave it. Any final thoughts, sir, on this week's uh, edition of the podcast? Um, yes and no. Yes. I do have final thoughts, but I don't have the ability to put them into words yet. So yeah. You know, we'll, I'll hold them Do we off. Even get a next. tease on the subject matter. That's like an all-time tease from you. Oh, what's the no? I mean, it's matter? just literally. There's a lot of stuff rolling around in my head, but I can't uh, put it together right. in anything coherent yet. Um, I would say that uh, I'll be curious to see the ratings, obviously, from uh, the weekend, and it'll be very interesting to see the ratings for next weekend with the Cowboys not playing the Bucks. That's true. That's true. The that Cowboys could have gotten out. fifty million viewers. Yeah, the Cowboys Buccaneers would have been interesting. And obviously, New England now out as well for the big team in the Northeast with none of the New York teams there. We'll see how that goes. By the way, one quick mention our colleague George Offman debuts the new season of his podcast, Tell Me a Story I Don't Know. Uh, George featuring Mike North in a two part edition here. And we want to give him a shout out because the launch of the Chicago All Sports Radio Station, The Score, happened 30 years ago this month, 30 years ago, January. Of, uh, of 1992. So they tell that story on the podcast. And one of the Chicago sports media personalities that had still been doing work on the score, Les Grobstein is his name, passed away unexpectedly this past weekend. Les had been a 44-year fixture in the Chicago market doing sports on the radio and sports talk on that station, and he passed away. So George has got a great tribute podcast to his buddy Les Grobstein. That's on now. And then as we release this podcast, the two-parter with Mike North, one of the gregarious personalities. They were called the Monsters of the Midday for over 15 years. Not the Monsters of the Midway, the Bears on the field. They were the Monsters of the Midday. Mike North doing the Midday show. He tells the story. Here's a tease, John Lewis. The station almost wasn't a sports station. It was going to be another format. If not North and a couple of other people pleading with the executives, you've got to make it all sports. You'll hear that story on George Offman's podcast. Tell me a story I don't know is the name of that podcast. So a brother podcast here. We give them a free plug and uh, hopefully fans will enjoy that. It's a great it's a great conversation uh, piece with a lot of big time sports media celebrities right up the alley of what we do here. John, best of uh, success to you. We'll be reading everything about the ratings and all the news this week, and we look forward to the NFL playoffs and much more this weekend. Thank you for the time here on the podcast. Hey, no problem. There's John Lewis. I'm merely TJ Reeves. Thank you for being with us. Again, find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts. Find us through John's site, sportsmediawatch.com. For now, we're done on the sportsmediawatch.com podcast. Bye. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. 
Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.